hello and welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Haley Barton, and this season we are talking about my new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And we've got some great guests lined up uh, for this episode, but first we want to hear a word from our producer, Colleen Powell. Hi, Ruth. I am so excited about your new book, and I'm excited to encourage all of our listeners to go and pre-order the book. You can pre-order the book wherever you buy books. It is available everywhere right now for pre-order. And if you pre-order the book, you can be a part of our special launch day celebration. We're going to be having a virtual celebration on October 11th when the book releases. And when you pre-order, there is a link that will be in our show notes. You can also find it on the Transforming Center's website where you can fill out a form. You'll be asked to enter in a receipt or an order number, and then you'll receive all the details for this event. So if you want to be a part of it, I would encourage you to go out and pre-order the book right now. It's going to be so much fun. I can't really wait. looking forward to October wait. 11th. And I would love to see as many of you as want to join us with us in that fun moment. This week, we're talking about Sabbath as resistance, and I've had two beautiful conversations, one with Drew Jackson and the other one with Cole Arthur Riley, and these conversations were so rich and so full that we decided to separate them, and we're releasing the first one with Drew Jackson today, and you'll be hearing my conversation with Cole Arthur Riley on Thursday. In today's episode, I'm joined by Drew Jackson. Drew is a pastor. His church is Hope East Village on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and he's also a poet. He has published a book called God Speaks Through Wombs, and in one of our other seasons, we actually discussed his poetry in a season on Advent, but he's also publishing a new book called Touch the Earth, a new book of poetry, and I'm thrilled today to talk to him not only about Sabbath as resistance, but also to talk about the poetry of Sabbath. So I hope you enjoy this conversation that also includes some beautiful poetry. Stay with us to the end because we're going to actually be reading some of his poetry, but also poetry from Wendell Berry. And so please enjoy this week's conversation. Well, I'm so grateful today to be welcoming my friend Drew Jackson, and the thing that draws me to him the most is his poetry, because we have the shared love of poetry. Poetry is the language of the soul. It expresses things that are too deep, really, for words, but we try in poetry to come at it in different angles and different ways so that we can say things that are hard to articulate. But in the beginning, Drew, I wanted to just draw attention to the fact that you have written one of my favorite books of poetry called God Speaks Through Wombs. And in this book, you actually include a poem about Sabbath. And I want to let that poem sort of take us into the topic of this episode, which is Sabbath as Resistance. One of the themes that I give a whole chapter to in this new book is Sabbath as resistance or finding freedom through resisting culture and instead having this one day a week where we live on God's terms for us. And that when we enter into Sabbath, we are actually saying where our allegiance is. You know, when we practice the Sabbath, we're saying my allegiance is not to this culture. My allegiance is not to this empire. My allegiance is not to a consumeristic culture that tries to convince me every day that I need more and should buy more and that I should fit into its priorities. But on the Sabbath, I'm saying no to all of that. And I'm finding freedom that real freedom on the Sabbath to live on God's own terms for me. 
And that Sabbath in its very beginnings, the way it was given to the the children of Israel was that it was given as a sign and a symbol and the actual lived reality of their liberation from oppression. So whenever we think of Sabbath as being this sort of soft practice that has everybody taking naps, (laughs) there is something about it that's more revolutionary than that. I, I feel like we sell it short when we make it all about rest and naps, you know. Sabbath is stronger than that, and it confronts culture, and it confronts what's inside of us that refuses God and refuses to live on God's own terms for us. It challenges us in our own formation. So that's the thing I'm really looking forward to talking about with you on this episode. And so I thought, let's just introduce people to you by having you read your poem called Sabbath from your book, God Speaks Through Wounds. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ruth. Thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to have you. So this poem is called Sabbath, and it's written in reflection on Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And the poem has an epigraph, which is from Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. And it says, there is a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be, not to own, but to give, not to control, but to share, not to subdue, but to be in accord. This sanctuary in time offers us the gift of return. It beckons us back to our genesis, where being human is all we seek to accomplish. It was given, not for us to serve it, but to serve us. A fountain of grace where we can remember that we are not our labor. That our true vocation is the double love of God and neighbor. It is a day for reorientation and recalibration, where celebration takes center stage. On this day, we renew our connection with the community of all that has been made and with the maker of all created things. That's beautiful. Thank you. So maybe we could do what I'd love our readers, our listeners to do right now, and that is to say, what is the phrase that stands out to us today? Because even when you've written a poem... I don't know about you, but when I've written a poem, I read it still, Mm -hmm. you know, and I see if it still resonates and I see how it calls to me, even when it's one I've written a long time ago. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a phrase that stuck out to you freshly today, even though you wrote the poem. And then maybe I could offer up a phrase that sticks out to me and maybe hopefully our listeners are doing the same. Yeah. So the phrase that's sticking out to me is a fountain of grace where we can remember that we are not our labor that our true vocation is the double love of God and neighbor. Yeah. That, that phrase is just resonating with me. It's just the idea that Sabbath reminds us that we are not our labor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, as we, even as we're talking today about Sabbath as resistance, that whole, the whole idea that our culture is constantly teaching us that we are only as good as what we can produce, that we're only as good as, as our labor. We see that in the ways, even in who we, our society marginalizes. For example, the ways that the elderly are treated in our society, it's so often connected to this whole idea that once you cannot produce the way you are, the way you once produced, 
you're, you're, you know, you can be pushed to the side. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that, that we swim in that whole, that culture Mm -hmm. of things and Sabbath as, as a gift that was given to us, it's always, it's meant to remind us that, no, we are, we are not human doings. We are human beings. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not our labor. And so that's why this, this phrase is just sticking out to me afresh today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I was really struck by this idea of, you know, beckoning us back to our Genesis Mm -hmm. and renewing our connection, sort of this radical nature of Sabbath, that it takes us back to the most important things and takes us back to God, takes us back to the most important connections. And that it begins with God wanting us to have this, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of freedom from culture, whatever the expression of culture is right now, that's, that's destructive to us. So when it was first given, you know, the Hebrew people were in bondage to the Egyptians, precisely what you just said, only valued for what they could do, Mm -hmm. producing the, the, the bricks and producing the bricks without straw eventually. And they were only cared for because of what they produced. That was the reality then. And then in, in our own experience of slavery, how the black community was only valued for what they could produce for the white slave mm-hmm. owners. I mean, I mean, this is like a thread. And then back into the cu- current culture, we're only valued today based on what we can produce and what we can get and what we can mm-hmm. gain. And that there's something about Sabbath that takes us back to the root, that takes us back to that radical sense of beginning to where God tells us who yeah. we are, you know? Absolutely. And, and that, you know, in that line, when I say to take us back to to our Genesis. Obviously, I'm talking about mm-hmm. just what the word Genesis means and our origins, our beginnings, but also just the yeah. the the poetry of Genesis one and two, right? Mm-hmm. The, the creation of humanity, where yes, work is important. Work is a part of what we're mm-hmm. doing, but it is not the whole of who we are, right? And right. to situate us in connection to God, to one another, mm-hmm. to to the rest of creation. And for us to be remembering, like, what does it mean to actually be human? You know? Right. And humans who live on God's terms mm. for us, rather than the cultural terms for us, whatever they are in any given generation. This call to, to have our, our basic allegiance be to God and to living on God's terms for us, rather than what the culture is telling us yeah. we are in any period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the idea of... Sabbath as a day in which we reclaim our truest identity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who we really are in God versus how we're being defined externally. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love, I love that idea. And in this poem, the, the, the one I just read from my book, mm-hmm. I'm playing a lot with some of what Walter Brueggemann talks about in his book, Sabbath as mm-hmm. resistance. And one of the things he talks about is just how Sabbath as a command in the list of the Ten Commandments is is the fourth commandment, right? And mm-hmm. where it's situated in the list of the Ten is just as important as the command itself, right? Mm-hmm. That that the situ the first three commandments being about our relationship to to God, right? And then the last the last six have to do with our relationship to neighbor. And so the Sabbath sits right as sort of the hinge point between those things as this, this command that calls us to, that, that reminds us that our, our true identity and our true vocation, our true work 
is is the double love of God and neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. That that that's and we have to kind of weekly, constantly be reminded of that identity, lest we get sucked away into thinking that we are something else, right? Mm-hmm. During the process of writing this book, my book, part of the process with University Press, and that's your publisher mm-hmm. too, is that they send it out to readers and readers send stuff back. And one of the inputs that I got during the reader process was someone raising the question of Sabbath smacking of privilege, mm. you know, and that sort of hurt a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, because I don't see it. I've, I don't see it as mm-hmm. that. And so I went scrambling back, you know, into my scriptures <laughs> for the origins of Sabbath and became renewed in my conviction that Sabbath is actually in many ways the opposite mm-hmm. It's what those who are not privileged actually practice in order to say, I'm not your mm-hmm. slave. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a slave to this culture. I, I don't belong to mm-hmm. you, you know, and yet I can also I could also see the point, you know, that in our cur- current cultural situation, there are those in our culture who probably feel that they don't have the freedom to take Sabbath. And it would smack of privilege to say that someone could take one day a week and not work and to not be beholden to employers and other demands of the culture. And that was a specific topic that I wanted to talk with you about, Drew, is how do you move around in that topic of Sabbath and privilege and bondage to culture? And how how do you engage that thought in your own mind? And how do you experience Sabbath as being liberation Mm -hmm. from oppression, even in a current day situation. I think it's a, it's, it's an important thing to consider. And there's a reason that a response like that is, that even comes out of us, right. When we're, when we're Mm -hmm. reading about Sabbath. And I think more of it, more of it being an indictment on Sabbath as a practice and as a gift, the, the viewing of Sabbath as privilege is an indictment on our culture right mm-hmm. the the ways that our culture has formed itself around you know endless work overproduction and demands that of us and the the fact and it is a fact that there are that there are people right there are groups of people for whom taking day a day off a week from work just does not seem possible right it's something that seems far out of reach mm-hmm. and so the way that I've had to wrestle with that is not has, has not been a, like a discounting of Sabbath, mm-hmm. but has been to look at the culture and say, why is it? Why is it that there are that that folks who are marginalized from marginalized communities can't can't take the privilege, the gift of resting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what it, and what do what does that call us to as an entire? people as a society so that everyone is able to benefit from this gift right so it's the so so what it cut what it does is it brings forward the question of justice and so it's it's demanding that we link justice and sabbath together Mm -hmm. yes i you know i didn't do as much work as could have been done in my book on on this topic but i was really struck by the author norm worsba who talks about a sabbath economy Mm. I don't know if that's a thought that, you know, if those two words are words you've mm-hmm. ever linked together before, but he is, is making the same point that it is a cultural issue where the culture does not support all humans in an economy that actually makes it possible for everyone to flourish. Mm-hmm. And that it is a larger, like you said, I agree with you completely. It's an indictment of a larger cultural 
reality, not about wealth and privilege. It's the fact that we as a culture are not creating a culture in which there is equity and equality and where it is possible for everyone to have what they need by working six days and resting on the seventh. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reminds me a lot of in Isaiah 58, where mm-hmm. the uh, the topic there is not Sabbath, it's fasting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But there's this whole underlying, and I love uh, Eugene Peterson's translation in the message. He says, he says basically something along the lines of the bottom, your bottom line on your fast days is profit, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just this whole idea of a culture valuing profit over people, right? Mm-hmm. And so when that becomes the bottom line, right, the, the basis of what's happening within the culture, something like Sabbath is then thrown out. It's just thrown out, right? Because Sabbath mm-hmm. is all about right. valuing human dignity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when that's not at the, the bottom of what a culture is really about, then Sabbath yeah. does, it, then Sabbath is a privilege, right? Sabbath does mm-hmm. seem like a privilege rather than the gift that it is, something that is withheld from the ma- the masses, right? And given to a few to practice who have the luxury of doing so. That's right. And doing that on the backs of exactly. the people that continue to work seven days yeah. a week while you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a pastor, you know, in, in an urban environment, how do you see the practice of Sabbath working within your community? How do you lead out in these things? How do you teach these things? How do you sort of work, even if you can't solve mm-hmm. everything? You know, n- probably us little underlings here, yeah. the, you know, us sitting here today, we can't solve the whole thing. But what can we do in the small communities that we lead and are a part of? What What do you see happening in your community that is would be moving us towards a, a culture that could support all humans and being in this human rhythm. And this rhythm is about being yes. human. How, what, what do you see? What have you learned? What, what, what are you trying and attempting in your own community? Yeah, this is, this is something that's really big for us. I mean, here mm-hmm. in, in New York city, the, the culture of this city is, I think that sort of you're, you're valued for your work, that endless work. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, it's on, steroids here in New York. Mm -hmm. People come here, they move here to just work and get ahead, get ahead, get ahead. And they're working endless hours. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of our, our values as a church is the value of living restfully. Right. And so it, you know, and that value for us is, you know, being, being committed together to living lives of rest in the midst of a chaotic world. Mm -hmm. Right. So out of that, right, we we're looking at for us, our culture as a as a church community, but as a as someone who's leading out in that community, the first thing for me is, right? Am I am I modeling this in the midst of our community? Right? How how am I modeling this personally? So there's the weekly the weekly practice of Sabbath that you know our community knows. I talk about it. I've preached on it, and they know that it's something that. I practice and that, that my family is a, as our, t- our tiny community that we're trying to live into together. We have just a, a, a way for our community to communicate with each other. We, we use Slack, but mm-hmm. so like even something as small as on Slack, when it, when I, you know, Friday, Friday at 6 p.m., I set my, my status to Sabbath. And so people mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Don't don't reach out to me. I'm not going to get back to you. Right. I'm disconnecting. It's just a way for, for me to remind myself and to remind the community of this practice. And but one of the, the other things that we that I talk about is we have a lot of people in our community who are 
you know, they, they run organizations and they're, they're doing things like this. And so to, to look at Sabbath as something that you as someone who's leading in an organization can bring into the culture of that organization is huge. Mm-hmm. So just like with any justice issue, we, it's important for us not to just stay at the, the sort of the bird's eye view level, but to think, what does that mean for me in the area that I do have power, right? How, mm-hmm. how can I live more justly in this area and do so in such a way that makes for more flourishing for, for other people? And so in your, in your companies, in your organizations, how are you building this and how are you modeling this as a question that we ask? The truth is that on one hand, for people, it feels like, well, if I do that, then we're, we, might, we might not make as much money or we might not hit our deadlines, mm-hmm. right? The other side of it is, and this is, is really interesting because there's a lot of companies that are recognizing this, is that when you value your employees, the humanity of your employees and, and rest for them, their productivity goes up. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're not driving people into the ground to get work done and to hit, and to hit deadlines, it actually it actually does something good for your company. Right. On the whole. And so, it, yeah, it seems counterintuitive to people, but it, it's like, yeah, value people. I think it's the bottom line is is in the work that you do in the organizations that you run, value people. And a part of that is is creating space for rhythms of rest. Yes. So, Ruth, one of the things that, that I was thinking about in, in reading your book, I know that there's a space where you talk about how you try to intentionally disconnect from the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when we talk about Sabbath as resistance, yeah, we're talking about resistance to, right, the culture of endless work and overproduction. But there's so many other things within our culture that Sabbath is helping us to resist. And so like the constant barrage of news and social media and all those sorts of things. Can you talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you, you know, disconnecting from the news cycle and also maybe social Mm -hmm. media? Like how, how how have you lived into that? Yeah. Well, I think it's taken some paying attention to what do certain things stir up in me. Like, I'm not going to make blanket statements about what people should do in terms of how they should disconnect. What I do think we all need to be doing and what I've done is to pay attention to what gets stirred up in me when I watch the news. What gets stirred up in me when I'm on Instagram? What gets stirred up in, in me when I'm engaging this or that, you know, through social media? And then if it's not positive, it's if it's not bringing out the formation of Christ in me, then I have to really look at that and wonder about it. And so I am not on social media at all right now, which just helps me to sort of keep my own peace and equilibrium and stay really present to the people that I have, that I share life with, present to my own thoughts. What I realized was that when I was so caught up in social media, I was never thinking my own thoughts. Mm. Like I was thinking and reacting to other people's thoughts, but I wasn't present to my own thoughts and what God was saying and doing within me and what was God was wanting to bring out of my own life in terms of my teaching and writing and things like that. But then I think one of the surprises during COVID, I have not been a person who watches the news regularly ever in my whole life. And yet during COVID, there was nothing else to do. And 
Plus, there was a lot going on. Like, I wanted to see those COVID numbers. I wanted to see the hospitalizations and the deaths and all of that. And how serious is this? And I wanted to hear what the CDC was saying and, you know, how it was all unfolding about how we were supposed to be coping with this disease. So that was the thing that got me hooked. And then you never knew where that was going to show up in the news hour. Mm -hmm. So it meant you're watching a whole bunch of other Mm -hmm. stuff, too. And, of course, it was during a particularly divisive and problematic and extremely frustrating and irritating political situation. So all of that got glommed together. And then I got pulled into that too. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, eventually I was like, this feels very accidental that I have fallen into this sort of addiction of watching the news every night. And it is not good. Mm -hmm. It's not good for me at all. So I began to realize that Sabbath was God's gift to me relative to that addiction Mm -hmm. too that I could actually make the choice that part of my Sabbath would be to disconnect from watching news. Because I also noticed how much I got riled up emotionally by especially what was going on politically. Anger. Like, I I, I'm not, I don't usually, like, hate people. (laughs) Watch the news. I would realize I was feeling hatred. (laughs) And I was aghast at what the highest leaders, the highest level leaders in our country were actually putting out there and modeling and their the level of maturity and all of that, I just made me so mad. And so I can't, I'm not going to withdraw. I need to be able to be relevant, but I'm not going to, so I'm not going to withdraw from the whole thing altogether. But I did realize that Sabbath was God's gift to me relative to that, that on the Sabbath, I had the freedom to say no to that particular kind of bondage, to that particular kind of oppression. And it was delightful to discover Sabbath as being that practical. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the the challenges is, right, you said you want to be, you don't want to be entirely disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, like, what's the, the, the balance, the push and pull between engaging and pulling away, engaging and pulling away? And I don't know that there's a clear cut answer for that, you know, for, for all yeah. of us. But I do think it is it is something that we sort of walk in step with God and the spirit, right? for for each of us to say what is what is that sort of what does my soul need right mm-hmm. and what distorts my mm. soul i mean like what do i notice in terms of distortion and leading me away from god leading me away from the formational journey the transformational journey that i'm trying to be on is this transformational or deformational to be engaged in this way it for me is a really significant question It brings to mind that verse, too, the complexity that you're naming, and so rightly, the complexity of being in the world but not of it. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right? We want to be in it enough to be the salt that we're supposed to be and to be able to bring the Christian perspective and the, the leavening in the lump, if you will. But at the same time, there has to be enough pulling away that we keep our own distinct identity as those who are trying to live our lives on God's terms for us rather than living our lives always in reaction and response to the culture. Yeah, and I think Jesus modeled this so well. I mean, we mm-hmm. see it so beautifully in the Gospels of Jesus withdrawing away from the mm-hmm. crowds when there's plenty of work for Jesus to be doing, plenty mm-hmm. of ways for Jesus to engage, and yet he pulls away to a, a quiet place, a desert place. Yeah. So I think that's a, that should be instructive for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think of the Apostle Paul, who was engaged enough in the cultural issues that he was able to actually use a cultural issue in a gospel-oriented way, Mm -hmm. you know? 
and it's pretty brilliant what he does, you know, in the book of Acts, where there's this very intellectual discussion going on, and he engages it with full understanding of what it is going, what it's, what's going on culturally, yeah. but he, he twi- turns it to then make it a gospel moment, you know, a moment of turning towards something else. Yeah. But these are really fine lines to find, aren't they? Yeah, they, they really are. And, and I find that my, you know, one of my challenges when it comes to Sabbath, and I'd be interested to hear how, how you navigate this is, it's one thing to, to shut everything off. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a whole other thing to, to do that with your mind, <laughs> oh, you know? Yeah. So that, that's, yeah. And I have some things that have been helpful for me in that regard, but I'd love to hear what that's been like for you. One of the things I wrote about in this book that I haven't written about before, because I've written about Sabbath before in smaller, in smaller chunks, like in chapters of books, but one of the things that I've discovered on my own Sabbath journey is that sometimes because of the lack of defenses on the Sabbath, because I'm not distracted by all the things that are going on, I'm not distracted by my work, I'm not you know, engaged with my technologies, without those distractions and in that really tender place on the Sabbath where I'm just being a human in God's presence and I'm experiencing my humanity and letting myself be that little human, a child in the presence of my loving parent, that my defenses are down and so some of the harder realities of life come rushing in without the defenses. And I don't have anything to defend against it with, you know, it just comes in and there I am, you know, present with grief, present with frustration, present with anger, present with disillusionment. And and I don't have all my normal distractions. And so part of what I felt the need to do, even in writing this book was to talk a little bit about what are we supposed to do with ourselves when those realities of life come rushing in and I don't have my normal distractions to deal with them with. And so I actually think that Sabbath keeping by God's grace gives us an opportunity to be present if we're brave, (laughs) to be present to those hard things, but to do it more intentionally in God's presence, to bring it to God. Like when I'm involved in my work week, I'm not bringing it to God as much. I'm just kind of batting it away and fighting it and pretending it's not there. But on Sabbath, I can't do that. Instead, I have to do that challenging discipline of being with it in God's presence being with all those feelings, being with my disillusionment, being with my grief. And that's a deep, deep challenge. Mm, It really is. So there's a little process, you know, and and it's not really a technique. It's more of how do I be with God with these kinds of things? And part of the the first thing we do is to, is to be present versus to trying to distract and to, but to be with it with God. So if it's grief, and I have, you know, I have some unresolved grief in my own life, you know, that will always be there. It's grief that will always be hard. Whenever my defenses are down, those griefs are always going to be there. But the scriptures talk about comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so on the Sabbath to cry the tears, rather than pushing it all away, on the Sabbath to go ahead and cry if God gives me the gift of tears, and to, to do that with God and to trust that God will meet me in my mourning, because God promises to do that. That's, that's not easy. I mean, that's, that's challenging. And it's a practice. It's a discipline. And I think that I know that in the Jewish, in, in, in Rabbi Heschel's book, he talks about there being no place for that on the Sabbath. I've not been able to accomplish that yet. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. He was a rabbi. He could yeah. do that. I'm like, really? Because I mean, I, you know, I can't quite accomplish yeah. that, but you know, good yeah. for you. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a dance between how, you know, because it's, because I know, you know, so much of what's talked about is celebration on Sabbath and delight mm-hmm. on Sabbath. Yes, and delight. You yeah. know, yeah. How do you how do you enter into celebration and delight 
when all of these other things are coming up in you yeah. as you step away from the work that so distracts us. That's, that's yeah. right. You said you had a couple of things that you found helpful. You well, want to share something like well, that? Well, yeah. I think for me, when I, you know, my mind can just tend to go mm-hmm. and you know, occupy itself with, even if I shut, my, shut myself off from doing the act of work, like sitting down at my computer mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about the that's sermon right. that's coming. Or I'm still thinking about the... Mm-hmm. so. The poem that the poem, you're writing. You know? Yeah. What do, what do I need to, what, what are the mm-hmm. practices that help me? So, I mean, one of the big things for me has just been the practice of centering prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, entering into that space of, of silence and allowing the thoughts to come and not judging them, but not attaching myself to them mm-hmm. and letting them go. And just being, you know, being fully present to the moment, fully present mm-hmm. to the presence of God that's that's been just a regular practice that's not just a sabbath practice for me mm-hmm. but is one that is but on the sabbath it, it becomes it important com- in a exactly. different way exactly mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so that's been a huge one for me and then just honestly it is the the practice of playing with my daughters mm-hmm. right whatever whatever they're they're wanting to do right now it's pokemon <laughs> they're very they're mm-hmm. very into it so mm-hmm. just sitting down with them and kind of getting lost in that world with them. That's it's, right. It's yes. been, it's been mm-hmm. good for my soul. Yeah. Children can really help in this yeah. way, right? Because they are so present. Yeah. They're not so distracted. Yeah. And maybe we need to learn from mm-hmm. them on the Sabbath, how to be present and how Absolutely. to play. Wow. We wanted to pause for a moment and express our gratitude to our sponsor. Um, The season of our podcast is sponsored by Goodkind. Goodkind is all about helping people cultivate the good kind of habits and holiday practices that allow them to engage with God and one another throughout the year. They have a great tool for Advent and also a Sabbath box to help you practice Sabbath with your family and so much more. So to learn more about them and the products that they make, you can find them at goodkind.shop. Well, I feel like we could just go on and on on that Mm -hmm. subject, but we're going to move on to a place in our podcast where I ask my guest and my guest asks me what's stirring in our souls. There's a place in the book that's called What Your Soul Wants to Say to God. And one of the reasons I incorporated this is because Sabbath keeping has to come from our souls. I do not think we can come from obligation and oughts and shoulds, but I believe that the best Sabbath practice comes from being in touch with our souls, which is where our deeper desires stir, deeper questions, deeper longings. And so I want to ask you the question, what's stirring in your soul? And also have us conclude with some Wendell Berry poetry, because I think poetry helps us to express things that are inexpressible. And I think you have a favorite Wendell Berry poem you might want to bring, and I'm going to bring a Wendell Berry poem. And that's how we'll conclude. But before we do that, let's just say something back and forth to each other. What's stirring in your soul, Drew, as you were present in this conversation, present to yourself, present to God? What's stirring for you? Yeah, I think it's the the question that keeps popping up for me is, you know, what is what is God inviting me to be present to in myself? And how, how is Sabbath in this season a gift to help unlock that? Right. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, right now I'm actually on the, the tail end of sabbatical. 
Mm, uh, I'm, mm. I'm in that reentry period right now. Oh, you know, boy. Getting, getting back into the rhythm of work. Are you crying yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. So, but, but, you know, like the, you, you come back into a rhythm of work and where to set, like, how do we hold on to that practice of Sabbath when I, as I go back into my rhythm and not, not just distract myself with all the stuff that's waiting for me, but continue to be present because God is, God is always, God is always present and God is always bringing things to the surface. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want to stay aware to those things. And I know how easy it can be for me to just distract my, lose myself and everything else. Every uh, things that are other things that are good things, you know? So that's, that's where I'm at right now. That's what's stirring in my soul is just this question of what does it mean to remain present and aware and how is Sabbath a gift to that end? Mm-hmm. And so I asked you, you know, the same question, Ruth, what's stirring in your soul right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I've really just enjoyed being present with you in this topic and just to hear through your own voice and through your own experiences what the Sabbath means to you. But a place in our conversation where I felt stirred was when you mentioned this whole idea of critique, that Sabbath is not about privilege. It's actually a critique of a culture Mm -hmm. that does not set itself up to value human beings as human beings. And just the question that I have for God, how can I and we be a part of cultivating a culture like that? Is there anything? Is it too big? Like this would be a a question. Is that just too big and unrealistic to think that we as humans could participate in bringing on a culture like that? Or are there things that we could do beyond our own personal practice that would help initiate a culture where we were living Sabbath in such a way, not just alone, but in Mm -hmm. community that we were actually a critique of our Mm -hmm. culture. We were a challenge to our culture. I would love to be a part of something like that. Mm -hmm. I would love to be with other people in bringing that kind of a challenge, you know, to our culture. Mm -hmm. But right now it just feels like a pretty big question mark and pretty and kind of big, too big almost to even think could be possible. But I'm going to, I'm going to continue to to stay present and to try to have some faith, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Some of us together could do that. I think we can. Mm, I do too. And I think these conversations, I mean, I think even having conversations like this, which we rarely have, where we talk about this sort of thing, I think our conversations hopefully will take us to some new places, and I hope mm-hmm. so. Well, we promised that in this episode we would share our love of poetry together, and poetry is the language of the soul. And so why don't you begin with the Wendell Berry poem that you're bringing into this moment and why it means so much to you. And then I'll conclude with a choice that I made of a Wendell Berry poem. So this, this poem I'm going to read, it doesn't have a title, but it's found in his collection of Sabbath poems. So he's got a whole Mm -hmm. collection of Sabbath poems that are just, he just writes them on the Sabbath as he's just in the midst of his, his Mm -hmm. day experiencing it and whatever's coming he writes down and so this is in his collection called the piece of wild things and there's a section called sabbath poems and it's the first poem in that section i go among the trees and sit still 
All my stirring becomes quiet around me like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. Then what is afraid of me comes and lives a while in my sight. What it fears in me leaves me, and the fear of me leaves it. It sings, and I hear its song. Then what I am afraid of comes. I live for a while in its sight. What I fear in it leaves it, and the fear of it leaves me. It sings, and I hear its song. After days of labor, mute in my consternations, I hear my song at last, and I sing it. As we sing, the day turns, the trees move. Well, I would like to offer up just the last two stanzas of another one of Wendell Berry's Sabbath poems. This comes from a timbered choir, his Sabbath poems from 1979 to 1997. Just the last two stanzas. And I, I love this one because it talks about how God does something in us and for us on Sabbath that we cannot do for ourselves. And that in that way, Sabbath is a truly transformational practice by definition it's a practice that opens us to what only God can do in us and for us. It's something that we might not even be able to know or guess or predict. And to me, that makes it a, it a transformational, a formational discipline. He says, the mind that comes to rest is tended in ways that it cannot intend, is born, preserved, and comprehended by what it cannot comprehend. Your Sabbath, Lord, thus keeps us by your will, not ours. And it is fit, our only choice, and we have a choice, our only choice should be to die into that rest or out of it. Mm. Mm. So with gratitude, to you, Drew, for this beautiful conversation, with gratitude for your poetry, with gratitude to God for knowing and thinking to give us the most amazing gift that we call Sabbath. Now, I invite you as our listeners to be sure not to just rush on from this place. Don't just rush on to the next part of your day. But if you can just take a moment and wonder, what is your soul saying to God right now? What is stirring in your soul? What do you need to say? And say it either through words, through prayer through a bit of journaling. Don't let go of the words that your soul wants to say to God. Be sure and say them before you walk into the next part of your day. <laughs>